Welcome to this latest episode of the Agilisys podcast. My name is Austin Clark, and I'm delighted to host this discussion about public sector leadership and the skills required in today's rapidly changing world. It goes without saying that government and public services have changed substantially in the past decade. So too have the demands on public sector leaders, who are at the helm of organisations across the sector that are having to evolve rapidly to meet rising demand, not to mention increased complexity of demand, against a challenging backdrop of austerity, the COVID-19 crisis and and recovery, we we hope anyway, uh, demographic changes, different working models, and all of this alongside what is arguably the big one, and and that, that is the climate emergency. Then, of course, there's the impact of technology on the way we work, how organisations deliver services, and how citizens expect to interact with those services in a world disrupted by the likes of Uber, Amazon and Airbnb. Within this changing and challenging landscape, it brings to the fore discussions around leadership and the evolving nature of the skills required to lead public sector organisations in the current unprecedented times, which is what we're going to talk about in this podcast. Joining me for this discussion are a trio of individuals who combine an understanding of executive leadership excellence and the skills required to successfully lead organisations from both academic and public sector delivery viewpoints. Ioana Rossi is Strategy and Partnerships Officer at the Royal Borough of Kingston-upon-Thames and Lecturer on Sustainable and Ethical Environmental Management at Ravensbourne University, London. Andy Cook is Ravensbourne's Ravensbourne's Vice-Chancellor Paul Sternberg is Director of Postgraduate Studies and Principal Research Fellow at Ravensbourne University. So welcome all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To kick the discussion off, it's probably worth providing a brief introduction to our listeners, uh, starting with you, Ioana, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Thank you, Austin. Yes, you pronounced it correctly. I work in the sustainable economic development field uh, with a particular focus on urban regeneration. I worked for around 30 years on that subject. My role has involved uh, research, policy and development, establishing partnerships and establishing projects, uh, delivering the projects, evaluating and including as well investment appraisal. My work is all about striving to make cities better places uh, to live. I have a UK-based and international experience in the private sector, mainly in public sector and academia, and I have worked as well in uh, third sector charities. I have worked in the UK in the Southern Council, in the Royal Borough of Kingston now, London Development Agency, the Prince's Trust, and uh, as a freelance consultant as well, and then the academia. And I work with uh, Ravensbourne as well, of course. Fantastic, thank you. And and Paul? Um, Yes, thank you, Austin. Um, And it's wonderful to be here. Um, so, yes, my, so my name is Paul Sternberg and I run the postgraduate department at Ravensbourne um, and we've recently launched um, a, an institute for, for creativity and technology, um, which really brings together um, postgraduate studies um, with uh, business incubation, um, research and technology, but all underpinned by a creative mindset, you know, and innovation. Um, at the heart, and um, and we have students from all over the world, uh, specialists coming from different parts of the world, different different backgrounds, many of whom have design backgrounds, but a lot of 
whom have uh, business backgrounds um, and and a lot from from the public sector as well. So increasingly from the public sector, and um, and that's why it's so wonderful to be here and to have this discussion to to understand the kind of the learning and uh, and leadership opportunities that we can really provide for for public sector organisations. Um, and, and just to also let you know that my, my, my background, actually, I started off, my, my career was as a public, um, in local authorities. I was an arts officer for Bedfordshire County Council uh, with responsibility for Luton. Um, so that, that was the beginning of my, uh, my, my career many years ago. So uh, the public sector has always been uh, in, in my blood in many ways. In the blood, yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to, uh, to yeah. escape it, isn't yeah. it, once it's there. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And, and Andy? Hi, uh, really great to be here. Thank you ever so much for, for inviting me along. Um, yes, I'm the Vice-Chancellor at Ravensbourne University. I'm very proud to say I'm the Vice-Chancellor of Ravensbourne University London. Um, I've, I've had a somewhat unconventional journey to becoming a Vice-Chancellor. So after an early uh, career in business development, um, I entered uh, the teaching profession 25 years ago, but migrated into uh, I guess that, that sort of ed tech space, so uh, I, I moved from teaching into one of the first learning technologists roles and then fully into IT where I was a, a project manager, program manager and moved into the university sector. So I've worked in universities for, for 25 years now and uh, I guess been through some big business transformation programs really. And uh, so that has actually stood me in, in quite good stead uh, to lead really a, a, a big digital transformation programme at, at, at Ravensbourne University. Excellent. Th thank you. And it brings together a lovely range of skills and, and expertise for the discussion today. So, wonderful. OK, to, to kick things off, I've got a question that, that may be somewhat provocative, but it, it centres around a recent National Audit Office paper that warned that there is a shortage of core leadership and improvement skills amongst leaders of government organisations. That's quite a sweeping statement. So, Paul, do you agree with what the National Audit Office is saying there? Um, well, I, I mean, I read the report with interest and actually I found it very refreshing, you know, because it, it was it moved away from the all the kind of the fiscal pressures and uh, and financial issues of, of, of the public sector and local authorities and was looking much more at the kind of culture um, and the importance of um, you know building cultures of trust um, and a shared understanding both internally you know uh, within the, the the public sector and, and also externally um, with communities with citizens with end users and, and I, I found that very kind of interesting and it kind of really opened up I think that space around innovation you know how do you create kind of end-to-end -end services um, um, for for communities, uh, so so it was it was it, it made for me it made a very interesting read. I mean, I I think you know, and this is something we specialise a lot in, is is um, at Ravensbourne is really how do you understand? It's not just about improving services, but it's actually how does that reflect in the culture of an organisation? So how do you build the capacity uh, within a, an organisational culture in order to deliver different kinds of services and and for me that was a really important part so it's not just what happens outside it's not just the end delivery of services but it's actually what's going on inside um, of a local authority and the kind of culture breaking down um, silos um, allowing a more joined up uh, kind of approach and and those what's often called kind of softer 
kind of areas or in America they're increasingly calling them power skills you know in terms of relationships building relationships um, understanding uh, really what communities and end users um, need you know rather than just kind of pushing out services you know how do you pull in ideas and everything so so I, I thought it was it was a very refreshing uh, read and really opened up a kind of opens up a whole new space about the culture um, of, of local authorities and what, what does that mean in terms of building up kind of innovation within, within the public sector. Um, so it, it, was, it was good and very refreshing in that sense. Yeah, and I guess it's good that as a paper it was challenging from, from that, that kind of perspective. Do you think that that whole kind of cultural leadership gap exists within the public sector? Uh, and that's something I'm, I'm going to throw at you, Andy. Yeah. Um, it, I was just thinking about the, the, the last 18 months, and I think certainly the pandemic uh, has been a huge stress test for, for, for every organisation in terms of um, your business continuity and, and whether you've got the systems in place. I think there has been a, a, a massive shift um, in terms of organisations' ability to work online and, and pivot to, to online working. But I think the, the, the big test um, has really been around um, the equality, diversity and inclusivity agenda and do you really know who you are and what you stand for as an organisation? Um, and that has been um, probably the, the, the most challenging uh, aspects in terms of the culture. What is the culture of your organisation? What do you represent? Um, so yes, I would say that that, is, that, it, that has been a huge challenge. Mm. Yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? And it's something that, that that comes up in discussions a lot when agilists are talking to our clients. Is actually how do you take an organisation that that's been almost thrown in at the deep end with change mm. because they've been forced to, and actually utilise that going forward? And is that going to go, going to be a core challenge as we look ahead and look to the recovery? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I think it's, and what's so interesting about these challenges is that there, and and I think COVID has really kind of shone a light, and the and the whole diversity issue has shone a light on this. It's, it's, it's the great equaliser, you know. So the idea that you know in the past you'd have a, the public sector, the private sector, the voluntary sector, the third sector, and all these different sectors operating on different organisational models according to different kind of logics, financial logics. Or organizational logic it, 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 it's now we're, we're all together you know there's some fluidity around how we're developing services how we're meeting needs social uh, economic needs um, and and working in partnership together rather than individual kind of sector silos yeah and Iwana I'd like to bring you in on, on this point as well yes um, for me it is not a new thing that I would like to work in partnership because uh, in a 10 years or more years, I was working, when I was working for the London Development Agency, we had started developing approaches to co-design and deliver our projects. So it is just, I think, that COVID accelerated that process. We had started at that time commission and co with, in a different way their services. What has changed is, for me being in a economic development regeneration for so many years, is that a, what brings people around the table. Once upon a time, in 2004, 2005, we had everybody as managers, we had a big budget in our hands. And this budget, this money was bringing people around the table. But uh, 
after the economic crisis in 2009, 2010, 11, what brought around people on the table, and particularly now with COVID-19, we saw is the problem. Is the problem brought around people on the table and lack of resources. So that having a problem and trying to solve it together and without having resources and trying to see who can do what can do and coming with creative solutions. This is for me the difference that has been came. And uh, the, it's not that it says culture and these uh, local authorities or other organizations, public sector that are um, talking about a lack of resources of money. Yes, that is true. It's true because the funding, core funding from central government has been cut to zero. This has affected the capacity and you need to deliver uh, with uh, limited resources. And uh, all these problems you mentioned earlier, and then climate change and, uh, um, and needs and uh, mental health problems, social problems, etc., they are there. And what we expect is that we're looking at the technology to help us to uh, deliver with lower costs, uh, deliver more with less. This was the the message that uh, in, from 2009, how to deliver more with less, with limited resources. Could be financial resources or could be earth resources. That's, that's, that's an interesting point. And, and focusing on, on your experience around kind of climate change, climate emergency, uh, which is clearly a hot topic. And what are the internal and external challenges that uh, Kingston Council, for example, is facing uh, in that area? And how do you overcome it? I've worked in partnership with overcome it. The, as I said, the, uh, the challenge is uh, um, all the local authorities have minimum resources and uh, the capacity, and we'll try to work in partnership. But it's not only that the reason. The external challenge of that problem is that uh, it's a global problem which you need to tackle as well at global level, both global level and local level. So that uh, bringing partners together and uh, um, creating consensus and uh, enthusiasm and uh, um, in order to address the issues because they're complex and uh, they need immediate uh, actions. Climate uh, change, climate emergency needs immediate action because if we don't address it currently in 10 years time the cost will be doubled. And uh, yes. Do the skills exist then within public sector leadership? to take that holistic approach? Uh, I think that they exist. And they exist because uh, we, it has been proved, particularly in local authorities, this has been proved with COVID-19, how quickly they have uh, reacted, how close they are with uh, um, residents, uh, overnight set up teams to address that. So there are that, but there we need more. And the reason that we need more skills is that uh, we're going regarding sustainability and climate change, there are there we need to um, work differently. We need to invest the investments and to, to reassess the priorities where we invest. We have to invest where we can reduce CO2. And uh, uh, UK government has, uh, um, has committed to reduce to net zero carbon emissions, uh, to, uh, to reduce carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. This will affect all the choices we make, will affect transport, will affect energy, housing, infrastructure, and community assets. So 
in order to everybody to work on this agenda needs to develop new skills not only technical skills we need more technical skills uh, there are um, local authorities advertise jobs regarding on sustainability climate change experts and private sector as well there is shortage on skills on that technical skills but we need as well the soft skills and the soft skills are the ones who bring people around the table and uh, need empathy need uh, uh, skills and uh, that creates trust and uh, and uh, the public sector is the enabler is uh, this not is not bringing the money because this is needs behavior change Different, to reassess where private sector invests and as well behavior change of individuals of every one of us indeed and bringing in kind of the, the expertise from from ravensbourne there because you see more than just the, the the public sector with the work you're doing do we need to do more to align skills uh, across multiple sectors if we're going to address some of the bigger challenges that that organizations are facing absolutely absolutely and it, it it's um this is a I, I guess it's part of Ravensbourne's heritage to to really build uh, not only the skill sets but the mindsets of our of our students. And um, actually, we uh, are, are have formalised this uh, within our curricula. So we based our academic framework around the top ten World Economic Forum skills for the future. So things like emotional intelligence, analytical problem solving. Um, that actually baking those into the curriculum um, and bringing students together to actually build those skill sets alongside the, the core disciplines that, the, that those individual students are studying. Yeah, mm. in, interesting. Paul, have you, you got anything to add? Yeah, no, I mean, just to, to say, well, just building on what Andy and Joanna are saying, I mean, first of all, what Joanna was saying about the public sector as an enabler is, is just so interesting. You know, this idea of a facilitator, an enabler, um, a kind of almost the primary contractor of services, you know, in in a in 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 a coordinating way is so interesting, and the kind of skills that are needed for that. Because actually, what we're talking about is we're just talking about unblocking good ideas. You know, how do you unblock good ideas? How do you allow good ideas to percolate through the system? How do you kind of reach? those communities and individuals, those neighbourhoods, those different organisations that really know about what's going on, on the ground, and, and what are the mechanisms for doing that? You know, and I think, you know, that does require a different set of skills. It's not necessarily the skills of expertise and specialism anymore, but it's the skills of kind of facilitation and bringing, you know, creating coalitions, creating um, uh, a kind of collective intelligence, really. Um, and and I think that those those skills are really, really important. And the idea of actually how do you pilot things, you know, how do you test things? How then do you scale things up all the time? And to introduce that kind of service model um, within within the public sector is very interesting. And I, I see it happening um, uh, all, all the time with organisations that we're working with, 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 with the public sector. And I think what Andy's saying about what we're doing at Ravensbourne and building on the World Economic forum skills base and those competencies of real, you know, improving the world as we know it, you know, not just accepting things as they are, but looking at how the world should be. I mean, this this kind of sense of optimism and trying to change things is very, very important. And what we're trying to do at Ravensbourne is, is say, how do we kind of almost bottle that type of curriculum and apply it to, 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 to leaders in the public sector? 
you know, and to create a kind of an academy, if you like, for public sector leaders so that these skills are kind of, you know, embedded within their professional practice. Um, but it's a very exciting, you know, very challenging time. And, and I think, you know, it's interesting, you know, hearing Joanna talking about the kind of climate change and climate emergency, because it's so disruptive. I mean, it's disrupting everything. But it's not just climate, even though that's the big factor, but it's also demographic change. You know, that's huge. It's technology, migration. All these things are affecting the way that public uh, sector organisations, local authorities, health services are actually engaging with their stakeholders. And, and it, it needs a different, a, a new way of thinking and, and of enact, interacting. With that in mind, is there a, a need, and it, it falls on, on everybody involved with the public sector, to challenge leadership, not, not just the leadership skills? And by that, I mean, do we need to have the right people sitting on the top table within organisations? So do we need sustainability officers? Do we need chief digital officers actually sitting at those kind of high-level discussions to shape policy, to bring in their skills and thinking, uh, if we're going to, to actually kind of meet the demand and, yeah, it's, make it, a better it's place. An interesting, it's an interesting um, <laughs> dilemma. I think often people are given responsibility alongside all of their other responsibilities. So, you know, equality, diversity and inclusion is a good example of that. And, and I suppose there's an argument that it's everybody's responsibility. But I, th I think there is an, a strong argument to have, uh, you know, dedicated members of staff on the executive who have primary, who, you know, have responsibility for sustainability, for equality, diversity and inclusion, rather than making it part of someone's role. I think if you have the resource, that's probably a good, <laughs> a good <laughs> the, the million dollar question. Well, indeed, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I used to deliver an uh, environmental management scheme, uh, accreditation scheme, Greenmark, and uh, uh, funded by uh, GLA. And um, the purpose of that was to uh, help all of the organizations who deliver uh, services and employability and uh, business support services funded by GLA to become more environmentally friendly. One of the actions, practical actions from that was that uh, to put environmental sustainability in their agenda of the meetings, of the top meetings. So that if you like uh, to drive a topic and uh, an issue, we have to, it has to be in the agenda. And uh, also it has to be uh, to inf not only uh, in the interest of a sustainability officer or equalities officer, to be mainstreamed, to be integrated uh, from the top down yes. or bottom up within the organization at every level and every department mm. yeah I I, I, uh, I I agree completely I think it has to be led uh, from the top um, and and I, I think that plays to the point that I was making at the start of the of the uh, the conversation it's really uh, knowing who you are what and who you want to be as an organization and that has to be you know you've got to live those values Indeed, yeah, mm. I think that sums it up beautifully, doesn't it? Yeah. Can I just disagree with that? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think definitely from the top. I mean, it has to be an absolute mission critical. And, you know, this is, 
this is and 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 what is the end game of organizations what are the end game of institutions and it has to be about social value economic value you know bringing people together but as well as this 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 top down approach i mean it is the bottom up approach as well you know and i think i think to to understand how um, organizations local authorities health bodies and health health is very interesting the way it does this creates these kind of bottom up mechanisms you know uh, because that's where the real learning takes place it takes place you know in the undergrowth of society in in in, in you know in civil society organizations whether it's faith groups or whether it's community groups in schools and so how do we create those mechanisms for bottom up solutions to understand the lived experiences of people and if that's informing and shaping a leadership approach from the top down then it's really really um it, it it's really exciting so i'm not really disagreeing with you andy but I'm just sound like it. <laughs> it doesn't I'm actually probably agreeing with you completely but but I, I do I do think you know even Ravensbourne as a, as a as an institution you know a higher education institution it's like how are we creating those feedback loops you know how are we learning how are we becoming we're a learning organization institution but how how do we live and breathe learning ourselves rather than just impart learning mm. but we become a learning institution and and that that's kind of really really interesting and for local authorities and for the public sector that's where real innovation lies you know is becoming a kind of learning type of organizations that's an interesting point because the nao report came out with a great line saying that there's a disconnect between policy intent and reality so that kind of does what you've said there encapsulate that and, and highlight the way forward is it a paradigm shift that, that's required if we're, we're going to connect and the intention with the reality? I, I mean, I believe so. You know, I, I believe I, I believe there needs to be a kind of humility now in, in public sector organisations that all organisations need to recognise their, their civic bodies, you know, and no matter where they specialise, whether it's in health, whether it's in education, welfare, you know, transport, it, it, it's that they have there's a, a because of the climate emergency because of all the changes that are taking place that the, the, the what is the civic value of these organizations and the way to really embed civic value into a culture is is to create these kind of bottom-up um, feedback loops you know where you you're, you're deeply participatory you're involving people in decision making and it's not just tokenistic but it's real and genuine and that that needs a, a very very distinct set of skills and expertise to do that okay so given what you've said there and then this is open to, to kind of all of us in this discussion what skills are needed by the public sector to transform services today tomorrow and, and beyond uh, yes first of all strategic thinking and vision have to be vision to have a vision to drive it they have to have values that you core values that are need to be shared values and it's very important empathy and passion for making positive impact making a difference in the society it's very important to drive people around uh, the table uh, yeah that's the key things i i, I completely agree um with, with with that i think there alongside that i think there are um you know a number of other i'm, I'm referring to the uh, the world economic forum uh top 10 again but you know this is a this is a real moment of digital transformation isn't it across every 
every organisation and and reimagining what the, the what the new normal is going to look like. And uh, you know that's certainly the provocation that uh, that I'm uh, making at it, it, within our own within within Ravensbourne is you know we won't go back to what we were doing before and, and how can we embed the good elements and and the good learning uh, from this. Uh, from this experience of, of you know abruptly changing into a into a sort of a virtual uh, remote organization and there's no doubt that there's a, a there's a strong appetite from staff to uh, embed that sort of flexible uh, kind of working approach um, and it's really driven a lot of really good management behavior as well in terms of um, gone are the days where you're measured by how many hours you're sitting at your desk um, and, and it's all about output and outcomes, um, and so allowing people to work much more flexibly around that, and 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 giving people more kind of flexibility and responsibility, I think is 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 another. It, 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 so it's an open-minded uh, uh, approach, I think, to um, to what the future uh, looks like. I would add something else as well that I consider very important: is the ability to make the right choices very quickly <laughs> because there is a lot of information and within this information and there are different options and technology as you said this uh, is, takes place and uh, all, how to make how to there are data there yeah. how to use the, the right way the data mm. and make the right choices it's having a data-driven approach isn't it and and it, and, and, and the importance piece, of yeah. that is it has really come to the fore and you can't make decisions on anecdote and emotion. Um, you have to have that, that that data that drives the business and that's, you know, a core piece of digital transformation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think anybody at Agilisys who listens to this podcast would agree wholeheartedly with that. That Yeah, data seems to be at the heart of it. Every bid, every transformation we, we deliver at the moment. Mm. So, yeah. And, uh, can I just of course, Paul. disagree yeah. again? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not really disagreeing, but I just want to say, you know, an example, give an example of where, yes, data, data is important, technology is important, but it does need an emotional response as well. We, we've been, I, I won't say the company, but we weren't, we're working with a company um, and they've, um, uh, it, it's a local authority, and they, they've, they've identified s s social isolation, particularly amongst older people, um, um, in in the borough as a, as a big issue as it is everywhere you know with the aging demographic and everything and that isolation and loneliness which is a huge it's a killer it's an, it's like smoking obesity all those things but it's one it's right up there in the in the top so so what what they've discovered it's or what they've done is they it's just a pilot is they've created these little robots which are delivering um, goods and provisions to older people and they're going around and they've, they're all smartly, you know, it's all internet of things and it's connected to all these older people delivering kind of provisions and everything. And, and actually what these older people need is not so much that, yes, they need provisions, they need the food, they need all those things, but they need conversations. 
They need to meet people. They need emotional connectivity. And unless we can bring that side into this kind of digital transformation um, and, and into these big changes and everything and into this data, the, the way we're design, you know, we're using data to design services, that, that emotional connectivity, I think we, we will be missing the most essential um, you know, role of, of public services, you know, that, and, and I think that is important. So maybe it's, a, it's not really a disagreement, actually. <laughs> it's, I should it's say, a, I mean, it's an add-on. Sorry, Andy. No, no, can no. I add on to what Andy is saying? Uh, of course. Can, I, can we change it? Uh, no. Mere correction there. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's good. And, and I think, does that play into then the leadership skill of being able to take technology and the coding everything that goes with, with kind of the, the I'm going to call kind of the basics of technology here and I'm sure people are going to shout at me for calling it basic uh, but taking that and combining it with this human element yes yeah, and, and is that at the crux yeah. of, of yeah absolutely it's, I think you've hit the nail on the head there in in, in terms of uh, it, it's, it's those proficiencies around complex problem solving around digital transformation but also the values and behaviours of the of of the organisation and what you represent it's a it's a complex mix of of different skills that are required it is indeed complex but picking up on something you said earlier it's also a great opportunity as we come out of the, the pandemic and we we see what's possible uh given a, a need to to achieve so with that in mind and looking to the future what measures can leaders take to ensure they have the correct skills in their arsenal? <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, it's, it's really interesting because I think there are all, all the things that we've covered are absolutely essential, but there are some tools. There are a few tools which I think will make a huge difference um, to, to public sector organisations. And, and they're, they're drawing from the world of, of um, what, what's often called design thinking, you know. And that, those, you know, but it's not, it's not design thinking in some kind of, you know, I don't know, fluffy sense of, you know, coming up with great ideas and innovation, but it's design thinking in terms of how you can really problem solve things. And I think one of the things that is missing and we need to, you know, really strengthen uh, within the public sector, and uh, which private organisations, you know, commercial organisations are doing much, much more effectively in, in many ways, is this idea of prototyping services. You know, how do you prototype? How do you test things? You know, how do you create, you know, small groups which are really real and kind of immersive experiences and then understand how you scale those up? So that testing and prototyping and embedding those feedback loops, I think, as, as some real skills that that um, the public se sector leaders could could really Im draw from the world of design thinking, draw draw from the world of so some of the kind of you know technology companies you know that that are d developing at the moment, and I think that'd be that's a very exciting space. I th I, I, Andy, I, yeah. I, I think okay. something that the public sector are very good at is 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 investing in their staff and and, and staff development and active learning is absolutely core to that. So. Um, we're, we're all on a journey and the moment you think you know it all, that's, uh, that, 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 that's a big mistake. So, um, you, you know, that embracing uh, that lifelong learning and, and uh, developing those learning strategies to con constantly and continuously improve what you're doing is, uh, you know, an approach to, to making sure that you're, you're building your sort of arsenal of, uh, of um, 
skills and, and competencies to, to, to cope with uh, an ever-changing environment. Absolutely right. And yeah, absolutely agree with lifelong learning. <laughs> yes. yes, because uh, evolving the world is evolving. We have to evolve the skills and be skilled and learn new things. And uh, it's interesting to change roles as well because we're working for uh, many decades now. And uh, so the world is changing. The world is Very changing rapidly. exactly, and uh, individuals are, individuals as well might lo might like to change roles. Mm. So that's important. Indeed, and, and that brings us on nicely to, to kind of the final part of the discussion, really, which is that the fact that Agilisys and Ravensbourne are partnering to uh, design and deliver a, a high-level executive program for senior leaders across the public sector. So I just wanted to wrap up with with kind of what that course could look like uh, and, and how our listeners today can, can help shape the, the, the kind of programme as it kind of develops and moves forward. Um, yes, well, well, Austin, I mean, th th thank you for asking that. We, it's very exciting to be working uh, with Agilisys. Um, um, Ra Ravensbourne has got a very kind of uh, a rich heritage of, of working um, with the local authorities and with our communities. So we're very, we're, we're an anchor institution within the North Greenwich Peninsula, but working very much, you know, with the hinterland of, of Greenwich, the whole borough of Greenwich. And it's a very, you know, there are pockets of affluence within Greenwich, but there, there are areas of real, real need and everything. And we've worked um, uh, across health services, uh, digital service, smart city developments, and everything. So we've got we've got this incredible track record of working in our in our area, and again testing, piloting, prototyping things, and then scaling them up, um, which, which is which is very interesting. And what we want to do now is almost kind of you know bottle that and um, and 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 kind of shape a, a curriculum. Uh, for for local authority uh, leaders and public sector leaders, so it's not just in the local authority in health, education, um, um, and create a curriculum which is really understanding how um, services can be designed. You know, recognizing uh, the the vital role that technology is now playing in the delivery of services and the kind of how services uh, can be improved and iterated upon. Um, so so we we. We've developed a short survey, a questionnaire, um, which we're sending out to, to, to public sector leaders just to find out what the big challenges are um, in, in their leadership, uh, you know, kind of portfolio, their leadership armory, and how, as a university, um, we can meet some of those challenges um, by bringing together um, different specialists in the, that area and creating a kind of a safe environment, a kind of an environment where experiments can be made, it's testing. And I think that's the one interesting thing about Ravensbourne and that, that really distinguishes ourselves from other higher education institutions. It's all about doing. You know, it's about the practice. It's about how does this respond in reality? Um, so yes, it's it's learning great things, but it's also generating new ideas and then testing those ideas, and and that's really the basis for our with our partnership with Agilisys. How can we create a curriculum and co-create a curriculum with our um, local authority and public sector partners, um, which will really meet the leadership challenges uh, of of people working in in the area and the sector. Indeed, and Iwana, is, is there anything you would like to add on, on that and the need for that sort of course? Uh, yes, I think that um, there is a need for a specific course for a, a public sector because public sector is different than private sector. 
and public sector invests in uh, and delivers public goods where the private sector will not invest because they will make a loss. Also, the public sector has an enabling role, as we said earlier. It provides the required framework and infrastructure to unlock investment for uh, the other sectors. Uh, for example, planning, regulation system, air quality and environmental protection are all this part of the public sector. And uh, there is uh, also another reason that uh, there is the apprenticeship uh, program, the apprentice in the levy, and uh, so that the um, uh, public sector as well can uh, invest on the staff and on skills. And it's useful to be in a, in a, a program dedicated for the public sector. And I'm talking from personal experience. When I, I came to the UK in uh, 2003, in 2004, I studied urban regeneration because even though I have done uh, delivering projects across Europe and uh, implementing EU policy, was different the policy here and in the UK. And I went with the MA in urban regeneration where people around from uh, public sector who were delivering the projects or uh, developing policy and were learning from each other and uh, not only from uh, the lecturers. So that it was my career, my first application, I had job application at the time, was successful and immediately in six months promoted and etc. and moved on. Uh, while if you are in a in a course which is for private sector and public sector, you won't learn the same. I have been in course about a, a management course in a, which was a, a open for everyone. And for me, it was not a, um, interesting to present how to sell and how to develop a, a project and, a, and a, um, toys, for example, or because I'm coming from different background and I, my interest was in different backgrounds. I would be prefer to how we work for a, a project that would be interested in a social housing, for example, how to do um, affordable housing <laughs> instead of a, a, a toy. Absolutely right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more, more with that. And yeah, Andy, final word. Yeah, thank you. you. Um, just to sort of echo uh, some of Paul's words, really, in, in, in terms of uh, Ravensbourne has a long, uh, long heritage of, of building and designing courses in partnership with industry. Um, that's uh, a model that we have successfully deployed with, with big organisations like Amazon and BT around specialist skills shortages and skills gaps. Um, the partnership with the Gillises is absolutely in line with, with our, uh, with our heritage and uh, is a, is a will be a really exciting and, and uh, fantastic uh, venture and, and uh, um, to, to, uh, to embark on. So thank you. Great stuff. Fantastic. That brings the, the discussion to a, a perfect close, I, I think. And yeah, I just want to say thank you for, for taking the time to, uh, to share your thoughts uh, on, on what is clearly a, a kind of hot and, and emotive topic. So yeah. thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Our pleasure. Thank you. Great. I would encourage all listeners to this podcast to, to share your thoughts uh, on the executive programme uh, via our short survey, uh, the details of which can be found at agilassist.co.uk and via our various social media channels. As always, a big thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, further podcasts from this series can be found on our website, uh, Spotify or anywhere else where you get your, uh, your podcasts. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. Uh, we hope to welcome you back soon. Thank you.